Money Roots is made possible by the support of our sponsor, Rooted Planning Group. Are you ready to take control of your financial future? Look no further than Rooted Planning Group, your trusted partner in financial well-being. At www.rootedpg.com, you'll discover a wealth of resources and expertise to help you thrive financially. Rooted Planning Group specializes in personalized financial planning, investment management, and retirement strategies. They understand that every financial journey is unique, and they're here to guide you every step of the way. With a team of experienced advisors, Rooted Planning Group is committed to helping you cultivate a secure and prosperous future. Visit www.rootedpg.com today to learn more about how Rooted Planning Group can help you grow your money roots. Hey, podcast listeners, Amy Irvine here. I am excited to be featuring today Glenora Wine Cellars as uh, the Seneca Lake Wine Ambassador. If you are looking for an escape, Glenora Wine Cellars is definitely a place year round that you would have the ability to escape. They do have some uh, guest cabins. They have rooms that you can stay at. They have a beautiful deck that you can sit on, wonderful winery and restaurant that you can go to as well. Uh, as you know, I always say life is about events that are supported by dollars and cents. And if you're just looking to get out and explore the beautiful Seneca Lake, no matter the time of year, you're definitely going to be able to do it at Glenora Wines. In the interview that I did today, Michelle mentions that she likes some Italian wines. And uh, um, so I looked to see, you know, basically the closest <laughs> wine that I could come up with from the, the Glenora. But I'm going to have to go back to my good old standby, which is Cab Franc. Uh, if you're looking for a good wine to listen to this episode about uh, career coaching, job searching, uh, resume writing, grab a great glass of Cab Franc from Glenora Wines and explore their website. Um, go, out, go out to glenora.com, look at their website. They do have some events going on in, in uh, light of the Seneca Lake Wine Trail as well that they're continuing to um, promote the uh, weekday wine passport and some pairings with both uh, pasta and wine on the weekend. So make sure you uh, investigate that and sit on back and sip your favorite glass of wine while you listen to the show. You're listening to Wine and Dime, a podcast that combines two passions, wine and personal finance. Hosted by Amy Irvine, certified financial planner and owner of Irvine Wealth Planning Strategies, located in Corning, New York. And now here's your host, Amy Irvine. Welcome to this edition of Wine and Dime with Amy Irvine. Today's guest is somebody I've actually known for a little while, and I've been following her on Facebook. And she recently launched a new company that I think a lot of people could utilize in many different ways, Valley Point Services and Michelle Vanda Bogart. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Amy, for having me. And I have to be honest, I had to practice her name. So I, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, ooh, nervous that I'm not going to say it correctly. <laughs> I'm, I'm good with numbers. I always just say that to people. <laughs> <laughs> So, Michelle, um, I asked you to be on the show because uh, I think it's very, very important that people take a look at their careers and their lives and make sure that they're 
um, showing their best selves, especially when they're thinking about either career change or even within their own company. And that's a service that you offer to people. But before we dig into some of that, I want to really talk about how you got to that, right? So you've probably listened to the show. You know, I love wine. I know everybody that knows me knows I love wine. So, (laughs) um, I, I love to, I think our lives are so much like vineyards, right? So, uh, we all have different influences in our lives. We all have, um, different nutrients that have helped us grow in different ways. And so I, I want to know a little bit about your vineyard. You know, how, how have you become the person that you've become thus far, far in, in life? Well, Amy, I, I, I'm glad to be on your podcast and I would love to share my information with everyone. Um, what I want people to know is that they can do whatever they need to do to get to that next career level or to get into a different job and how I actually came uh, across do helping people is when um, I was laid off from Cornell University um, due to a restructure. I was like, what am I going to do now? <laughs> I mean, I it was applying, you know, for jobs back into Cornell, but it gave me the opportunity to really look deep down inside myself and try and decide what is it that I want to do and what do I like to do? So I was kind of doing some soul searching and actually I worked with um, two career coaches for almost two years and I realized, and this was after I had left Cornell, um, and I'm working with these ladies and how they're helping me. And it came to a point, maybe a year in, I'm thinking to myself, you know, I could so do this and I love to do this. So what I did is I found um, a small business training program and I took um, these courses on how I could open a small business, whether it be for product or service. And um, I learned that aspect of it. And all I needed to do was just to put my spin on it, my mm-hmm. personal touch. And um, that's how I came up with uh, Valley Point Services. Um, and I just absolutely love helping people, um, developing their resumes, um, helping them with job searching strategies, I offer job seeking assistance, um, even some mock interviewing. Oh, that's such. So I want to go back to something that you asked yourself that I think is so important. You said, what do I like to do? Yes, yes. Um, and the reason that I want to point that out is because uh, in my job, I, I get to meet with so many wonderful people. And sometimes you can see that people are very excited about their job. And then other times people say things like, I only have so many more years till I have to work or I, you know, they, they're counting down their life a little bit. And that always makes me so sad. And, um, cause I, you know, I just love what I do and it, and you can hear the excitement that you love what you do now. So when you look back at your career with Cornell and fast forward to where you are now, what was some of the things that sort of set you up for starting your own company and, and that life? And, and how did you decide, like, 
you know, if, if I asked some people that question, well, what do you like to do? I, they haven't even thought about that. So, so walk us through that a little bit. Well, Amy, when, um, when I was trying to decide what is it that I'm going to do and, you know, asking myself those questions, I, you know, I was basically taking inventory of myself. I realized that, yes, I do like to help people. And yes, I do like to help them with um, career development. And it was just a matter of it, it was just a matter of my personality and my know-how in mixing the two together. And I have this way of communicating with people. I, I like to try and have a conversation with them first to find out what is it exactly that they're looking for. And that way I can better help them. So it, it was just um, basically taking an inventory of my likes and dislikes and realizing that I am definitely a people person <laughs> and, I, and I like to help people. So that was number one. And then I thought, well, in what aspect? And if it hadn't been for the career coaches that I personally worked for or worked with, you know, to help me after my layoff, I don't know if it would have, I, I, I honestly don't know if it would have happened that way. But thank goodness for those two young ladies who showed me all about career coaching, career development, and I kind of just sucked it all up like a sponge. And now I just pour it all out to people I meet and know. <laughs> I love that you use the word pour it out. That's awesome. <laughs> for, for people, no, and I, I say that because for people that, um, I think if they sit down with you and they meet you, or, you know, they, they understand um, th th this is such a stressful thing, right? There's, there's the white coat syndrome that when you're going to the doctor, you know, your blood pressure is higher. Then I always joke with people on, you know, the very first time they sit down with me, I'm like, you sort of have that same, you know, quote unquote, white coat syndrome, because you're about ready to lay out everything that you've done financially in front of me. And that's very nerve wracking. When you're going into a situation where you're, um, where like in your situation, you are without a job, like the stress associated with that is enormous. But if you don't like your current job, the stress is equally enormous, right? If you're not like going into the office every day or to the shop or to wherever you're going, gosh, that's, that's no fun either. So your job is really to help people figure out what they like to do to develop their resume. And this is something I really want to talk about because Resume writing is a lost art, in my opinion. I see all the time, I've got tons and tons of people sending me resumes, especially, um, you know, people want internships. And I'm looking at these resumes, I'm like, I'm not perfect. Like, my resume is not perfect. It could use some pretty touches, I'm sure. But wow, what happened to like resume writing here? <laughs> I have no idea. I've seen some myself, and I'm like, you really use this? <laughs> 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 <It's funny. laughs> so it is 
a lost art. So it's not just me. It That's is. good to know. <laughs> it is definitely a lost art. I don't know where they learned that. <laughs> Do you think that, so, so let's go back to talking a, a little bit about um, valuing yourself when you're writing your resume, right? So, and, 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 and talking about the things that you'd like to do so that you can get that job that you really, really want. Walk mm-hmm. us through a little bit of that and tell us, you know, how, how would you work with somebody in that process? I'm, I'm somebody that would like to either enhance my career. Cause I want to make sure people know that it's not just about the current job that they, or the, you know, if they don't have a job, it's also about enhancing their career. Right. So exactly. So walk us through a typical sort of, you know, client that you might meet with and, and how you would talk them through that process? Well, when I do meet with them, I first, you know, first and foremost, I want to find out what their goals are. Do you want to do something different? Do you want to do the same thing, but just for a different company? I, I find out what their main goal is. And usually it's, you know, for another job and to do something different. Well, in that case, you have to use the skills that are transferable over to the other position that they want to apply for. And the best way to do that is when you when you see the job description that is out there and being advertised, the verbs that the employers use in the ad, you want to use them in your cover letter and in your resume because it will be more attractive to the employer. So that is my little tidbit to help someone um, when they're trying to go into another position that could possibly be different Mm -hmm. to use those transferable skills. So I want to talk a little bit about when, when, when differences in genders in applying for jobs, because I read an article the other day that said women will only apply for most of the time, only apply for a job when they have 80 to 90% of the the skills listed in the job ad, where men will look at that and apply for it if they have 40%. That was an article that I read the other day. And I thought, well, that's interesting. True for me. Like I would have never applied for a job if I only had 40% of the skills. Um, Exactly. so, So what would you say to somebody that is looking to, you know, grow in their, their career and their knowledge and their experiences, but maybe only has that 40 or 50%, would you encourage them to, to look at the other aspects of their, their life and how that would meet the goals of that employer? Well, at that point, if they were if they were only at 40%, I would highly encourage them to possibly take some computer classes or some type of class that could essentially end up on their resume to make it look better mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, or possibly volunteering, you know, yes, yeah. Vol- volunteering at the employer that they would like to potentially end up at or some type of business that is similar to it. So they can actually see if they like doing that job. You know, it it, it won't hurt them to volunteer for a short time span just to get that experience. And hey, worst thing that could happen, they could be recognized, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, that's a yeah. great point. I love, I mean, what a way to give back to the community and build skills at the same time, right? That's a great exactly. idea. Yes. Yeah, that's a yes. great idea. What, when, when you, I mean, you've been on a journey, you've, you've, you know, your, your life has taken you different, different paths. Um, you know, the, the initiation of, I lost my job. Now, what am I going to do? And, and having gone through that, that process in and of itself, what's the emotional aspects of somebody that's usually coming in? And, and the reason I ask this question is because asking for help is never easy. I don't care who you are. And 99% of the time, when it comes right down to it, we all have some struggles in asking for help. So coming to you and, and, and asking for help, there's a little bit of a barrier most of the time and probably some trepidation to begin with, but there really doesn't need to be. So like, tell us some of the emotions that you felt when you were reaching out to these career coaches initially and talking with them. Well, of course I had the feelings of uncertainty and, um, and, you know, a little bit of fear because I was afraid of, you know, what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And so you, you just have to realize that it's only for a temporary time span that this shall pass. Mm-hmm. Um, in in my case, you know, I was getting the information from the career coaches that I needed to be able to move forward. Um they built me up. They helped me um, re- reword things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they were looking at your resume as well and taking your skill set into consideration. And and maybe because it's even though it wasn't your fault that you lost your job, it was a restructuring. It still does something right. to your core being, right? It still rocks you. Oh, yes, absolutely, because I I enjoyed being there. But it also opened another door to explore other things. And and you said they were sort of building you up. They were were looking at your skill set and digging in and and kind of, you know, really helping you in that respect. Um, Feel good about yourself. Feel good about the skills that you have, right? Exactly. Because, you know, looking back at the skills that I've acquired over the years, they are definitely diversified and it has actually helped me in the long run. Had I had just done, you know, property management right from the get go, um, I don't know if I would have the diversity that I have now today. Um, and so, I encourage people to take on something different just to spruce up the resume, to show them that you do have these other skills that you can do. That's, and that's great advice. I think that um, one of the things that I, I really try to talk to people about, like once a year, we'll look at sort of the average salary that somebody's making in the job that they're currently in, you know, just, just to see if they're sort of in line and, and I'll tell people that their job is their greatest wealth source. 
right? That, that we talk about savings. We talk about, um, you know, putting money away for a rainy day, for retirement, for education. But in reality, your job is the biggest investment in most cases that you will make in any given thing. It's going to drive so many other aspects of your life. And when I usually say that to people, they look at me like, what? <laughs> what, are you talking, what are you talking about? <laughs> um, so I want to dig into that a little bit. When you're working with people, do you talk to them about compensation and expectations around compensation? Actually, no. I have not talked about compensation with any of my clients. Um, I basically help them find the skills, you know, and that they've done in previous jobs. Um, I encourage them uh, to possibly seek out uh, an employer that they wouldn't mind looking for and contacting that HR person and possibly setting up an informational uh, interview or a, a meeting of some sort and let them know what your interests are of how you would like to obtain a position with their company. And you would just like to meet with them for about 10 minutes to find out about this uh, X job and what it all entails. So do you find that for, um, for individuals, I, I've used that same recommendation for college students that are, you know, trying to figure out what their next stage is, but do you find that that's very beneficial even for people that are well into their career? Yes. Yes, definitely. I've even done it myself. And, and people are very open to that. Employers are very yes. Employers, yes, yes. I have met with um, a few employers just to see what it would be like to work as such and such position at this particular company, and I would talk to their HR person. And sometimes, you know, they're they're receptive, and sometimes, you know, they're very busy and you know don't really have time. But I have found that most that I have spoke to are receptive That's of very it. Very interesting. And it and it actually shows the employer that you have an interest in the company. Uh, that's very interesting to me because uh, you know for for myself as I said I I've uh, um, I've suggested to college students that that's something that they should go out and do because there's really no barrier there, you know, you're not really asking for a job at that point in time, although you kind of are, you know, um, but, but the, the image is, Hey, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what I want to do in the next stage of my life. Can I learn a little bit more about your company? But I, sadly, I never really thought that that would be something that, uh, HR companies would be open or companies would be open to from an adult perspective. That's, that's amazing that companies are willing to do that. Uh, especially mm -hmm. um, large companies, I'm, I'm guessing even. It, you just, you have to find that right contact, right? I mean, that's probably the biggest challenge. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. And what, yeah. do, what advice do you give to people around that? Um, I just let them know to possibly um, contact the person in HR and just ask them um, that, 
or, you know, make a statement that you haven't seen any jobs posted in a while. And you were wondering if you could possibly come in and just talk to them about this certain position and or, you know, certain positions. I'll make Mm -hmm. it plural and um, just find out what's all entailed in being an accountant or, uh, you know, the accounts payable person or the program assistant, you know, and they are receptive of it. They they do want to talk about it. The ones that mm-hmm, I've met mm-hmm. with, which is the companies um, you probably want to work for. Right. I mean, those are the, those are the people that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I know it's kind of a, a non-traditional way, but it's, it's a, a certain way that, you know, will help get no, you. I in lo- the door. But, it, but the non-traditional ways are what will make you stand out. Right. Isn't that what kind of gives you that competitive exactly. edge? Yeah. So, um, so you decided to go out on your own. What year did you actually make that decision of, you know, I think I could, I could do this. What, what was the actual like decision-making date? Well, that decision-making date would have been in early of 2016. Um, I had saw that there was a small business training program going to be offered in the spring of 2016, and it was perfect timing. I signed up and went to classes for two months, and each week they covered something different about the... um, the different aspects of owning your own business and preparing for it. And as of June, 2016, I did, you know, somewhat make it official that I am now going to be Valley Point Services and help people with resume development, career development, job searching strategies, job seeking assistance. Um, I can even help them, um, get into networking and get out there and, you know, be seen by mm-hmm. other people and get, get to have new circles and make new connections. So when, um, when you made that decision in 2016, um, how long did it, did it take for, you know, do you get you to get the word out and the business to start growing? Cause I saw your Facebook page, uh, earlier this year. And I did a little, you know, like searching around, like, what is she doing now? And, um, because, um, you know, I, I, I think it popped up like join, or maybe you even sent me an invitation or something like that. So, um, I was like, wow, this is great. This is what she's doing. Um, but I hadn't heard about it before then. And we're talking almost three years at this point in time. So what was your journey in starting that business? Well, Amy, I do have I do have to say this um, Valley Point Services is my side ah. hustle. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> I do other uh, I do other work, and I have done other work in the past three years. So I do this on the side. It is my passion. I would love to do it full time, um, but I am actually involved with two other employers and I absolutely love what I do for them. And that is working with numbers. (laughs) (laughs) I am a numbers girl too, but I have this other side of me that needs that uh, people connection and helping. We love side hustles. 
We think side hustles are awesome. <laughs> I know. I go. To, I go to the conferences. <laughs> I, I, I love side hustles. Uh, I, I didn't want. To, I wasn't going to bring that up. I, I, I was going to protect your privacy. But um, you have been one of the individuals that has been a reoccurring participant at our financial women's conference um, that we host every single year. And, and we just had our fifth year and now we're so big, we actually have to move it next year up to the um, uh, Watson Homestead uh, location. So yeah, because we were so crowded this past year. I mean, and we had to, we were like at our max. So, um, you know, we started out with like, I think 40 women the very first year and that grew a little bit. And then we had to move up to the college and that grew a little bit. And last year, we just, we really were able to. So we're in our fifth year. Next year is our sixth year. We're pretty excited about that. But you'll recall last year, we did talk about side hustles. That was something that, um, that it was one of the topics. And I get very excited when people bring up the whole side hustle discussion. So, because what a great way, like, you know, people will say, Oh, I can't, you know, I just can't get a raise at work or I can't um, pay off this bill. And I'll say, have you considered a side hustle? It doesn't have to be forever. (laughs) It can just be for now just to get you through this, this situation. So, um, so your employers are very open to this, this idea of, of you running this, this side hustle business. Um, you know, is there, are there challenges, I guess, that you'd love, if you don't mind me veering off just a little bit, are there challenges that you find trying to run a business and is a side hustle, but, you know, making it, making it full, full time, having a full time job on, on top of that? Um, actually the other two jobs that I do are part-time positions and it doesn't equal a full-time oh. position. So I'm only working probably maybe 27 to 30 hours amongst the two other employers. So that does give me some extra time, um, to do oh, my side. So awesome. That's so awesome. It is. It is. So and if I love people it. wanted to, um, and I want to ask you, because I like the idea of when people hire other people, having a little bit of background about them. But if people wanted to reach out to you, what is the best way, if they were interested in doing that, how, how would they reach out to you? Well, they could um, send me a message on the Facebook page or they could phone me at 607-242-1020. I love that. Um, so 1020. Yep, <laughs> so did you pick that number or was that something that was actually? Um, it was given funny. to me. Uh, um, I so, know. you know, the people have a chance to get to know you just a little bit. They know your journey to wanting to do this kind of service and your compassion and passion and empathy for it. But tell us a little bit about you. Like, how were you, Michelle, sort of formed as a as an adult, as a child? Where, you know, do you bring, because you also work in numbers, do you bring you know, finances to the table at all? Or did you, as you were growing up, speak to that just a little bit? Hmm. Um, as far as career development and resume development, I do not bring finance to the table at that point. Um, growing up, um, and 
ever since I was a young adult, I've always been very meticulous about my my accounts, um, my money, and maintaining an excellent mm. credit rating. I felt it was very important to always maintain that high credit rating. And successfully, I have done that. And But um, that's also important I, for an employer that's hiring you, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly, because sometimes they do mm-hmm. credit checks and they want to see how you're paying your bills. And they will determine if you're not paying your bills well, that you might not be able to handle their money well. There's a risk factor that's associated with that. They're saying now that, you know, if if your credit score is um, unhealthy, then your um your performance is going to be affected by that. That's not to say you're a bad person. It's just to say that the stress that uh, a a poor credit score can put on people can actually directly correlate to their performance at work. So um, that's the fact that you've spent some time really focusing on your credit score, um, you know, trickles down in to what you're doing and actually allowing you to do the side hustle a little bit, right? (laughs) Right, exactly. Exactly. And Amy, I want to throw something else in there. You had asked me, you know, had anything come, you know, from when I was a child? And I think, you know, how I was as a child, I was very meticulous then. Um, And being that, being a meticulous type of person uh, and and just going through life and making sure everything's in order – um, my father, he, God bless his soul, he would always tell me, Michelle, you need to make bigger circles. You you have to put yourself out there. You can't just hang with the same hmm. people. You need to meet new people and make bigger circles. And he always told me that, Michelle, make bigger circles. And I knew exactly what he meant. He wanted me to be expressive and put my put myself out That's there. That's great advice. Yes, that is yes, wonderful advice. And so he was referring to the connections that you have within the community, within your employer network, within your friends. Um, what were some Absolutely. of the things that he? Because that directly correlates back to the job searches that people are making. Who are your connections? So exactly, when you're coaching yes. people, do you walk them through that process? Like, you know, what are you doing to get yourself out there? Uh, yes, yes, I absolutely do. I find out, you know, what is their day-to-day activities, their weekly activities, or even even any monthly activities. You know, if you're not putting yourself out there, you're not meeting the right person, you know, that could possibly, you know, steer you in the right direction or maybe help you get a job at such and such a place. Um, it, it's just all about putting yourself out there. That's a great, I love that your dad said that. And was he... Um, was he, did he off, offer up any financial advice around that at all? Or as a kid, were you involved in any money conversations? 
No, no, (laughs) no. The only thing I can think of is when I was growing up, I grew up on a farm and my father, you know, was a avid hunter and he used to put coins in a tree and he told me if I could hit them, I could have them. You're kidding. Yeah. So that's the that's the only thing. (laughs) That's the only thing I have financial from my father is him putting the coins in the tree and to teaching me how to shoot. <laughs> That's funny. So where, where, do, where do you think yeah. some of this skill came from that you have, you know, or, or I think it's like, you know, as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking, boy, you bet you were a really curious kid. I still am. I'm still a curious kid. Everything just, I, I want to know everything. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still that person. And that's such a, you know, that's something that a lot of employers look for. They look for people that want to be curious. They, um, you probably go out and talk to employers, right? You, you probably have some interaction with some of them. Like what kind of people are you looking for? I'll keep my ear out. What is some of the things that they want from employees? I have not actually talked to employers. Well, Yep, I hey, I'm sure in your circles you have though. Um, employers, yes. Like when I was doing networking, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, yes, I would meet certain people, but uh, I don't ever recall a conversation of asking them of what they were looking for specifically. I just let them know what I do and. Um, and that basically was it because we were at yeah, an event okay. type thing. It was like yeah. a social mm-hmm. networking thing. And it, it was just all about telling everybody okay. what you so, do. So I think one of the things that I often look for personally when I'm, you know, considering hiring somebody, and this is really, this is, this is developed over time. It wasn't something that I always thought of, but I really want that person to be super curious because I want them to grow. You know, I want them to um, feel like they, they can be, uh, their knowledge can continue to grow, that their job role can continue to grow. When you're in a small business, you know, you're, we don't have defined jobs, you know, it's like, okay, this job has to be done. Let's get it done. Right. (laughs) Um, So Mm -hmm. when in our, you know, in the upstate New York area, especially there's a lot of small businesses and, and that's, you know, something that, that be curious mentality is something that I just think more people need to, to really be, first of all, the employer has to be open to it as well. But that's something that I just think is really valuable in a person is to be curious and just explore options. And when you don't have the answer in front of you, like, you know, there's this really cool thing out there called Google now. It's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Yes. When you you and I first started out in our respective fields, that that wasn't out there. That wasn't a tool that we could go to. And now there's just so much information out there that, you know, can be had. Um, one other thing that I wanted to ask you a question about, and I'm sorry, I'm hopping all over because I've got all these notes from things that you've said so far. Um, but you mentioned that you kind of um, do some mock interviews with people as well. Um, tell us yes. a little bit about that process. 
Well, that process is, I, I try to set them up um, so I can see how they interview um, and ask them behavioral type questions and how you would, how would you, um, how would you act in a certain situation if, something was happening within the office or if you discovered something, I I just try to find out Mm -hmm. who they are and find out how they would react to certain situations. Um, It also lets me see how they, how they do Mm -hmm. communicating, um, whether they maintain the eye contact. Um, I read their body language. Um, I also just observe and offer some helpful hints when going to an interview and to be confident and to mm-hmm. smile and look at them in the eyes. Do you feel that walking through that, that process is... I know it's preparing them for it, but do you feel like it's something that when they come back to you after they've gone through it, do you feel like um, the feedback that they give to you is, man, I am so glad we did those because the questions aren't ever going to be the same. I mean, the mock interviews aren't about, you know, the questions, they're about the um, feeling confident going into the, the interview. Do you, when the, what's the feedback that you get from people after an interview? Well, you, they'll always be nervous. I, I, the feedback I get is that they were nervous. And of course, everybody will always be nervous, but you just have to take a deep breath and just do the best you can, maintaining the eye contact, smiling, and being um, open to the employer. Um, they... I think that they benefit from the mock interviewing, definitely. I, I really believe that they do because it helps prepare them for those kind of difficult Absolutely. questions. I think, you know, if I, if I was, I feel like sometimes I'm unemployable now because having, you know, built this company and run this company, the idea or the concept of going to work for anybody other than my clients is like too crazy for me. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, it's still when I'm, when I think about my clients and what they might be going through in their job interview process, you know, I'm looking at the numbers for the companies that they might go to work for. And I'm saying, yep, financially, this absolutely makes sense. The benefits are good or comparable or, you know, or, or if you're that unhappy and you need to, you know, you need to, you can take less pay because, you know, your happiness is more important or whatever those things might be. But I'm not, I'm not that coach that can say, oh, you've got, I mean, I can say you've got this. I know you can, you've got the skill for this. I mean, I look at the job, I look at you, you've got the skills, but I don't have that ability to, to coach them on the confidence side. So I'm guessing that part of what you do is that, you know, that, because you and you mentioned it for your coaches, they they lift you up. They they give you that confidence. Nervousness and confidence are two separate things, right? And so I can Absolutely. be nervous, but still yes. confident. Like you know, 
Yes. Um, yes. So, so practice probably makes them confident, even if they still feel nervous. Yeah, yes, it would be absolutely. so interesting. Um, it would to me, it would be so interesting to hear some of the feedback that folks come back to you with uh, after they've gone through that interview and and talk about how prepared they feel in comparison to other interviews. It would be hmm. really interesting for another podcast, maybe. <laughs> right, right, right. When I do a mock interview, I'll take note of that. And um, yeah, that would be great. I'll let you know. So we did mention um, before that people can reach you on Facebook, the phone number that you listed. We'll put that information in the show notes. So I want to just close with a couple of, of other questions. And I cannot believe I, this is the very first podcast that I've ever done that I didn't ask this question and I cannot believe it. But I didn't ask you what your favorite wine is. <laughs> yes. Oh, my favorite wine? Okay. I actually sent you a picture of it. I, I, and I don't know if you remember it. It's yes, an I Italian do. wine. And of course, I can't pronounce it. It's an, in Italian. But um, if you still have that picture, that will, is my favorite I, now wine. Now that you mentioned that, I do remember receiving it. And I thought, oh, she she would love like Chianti's or, you know, those kinds of wines because of the, the Italian um, blends that come out of that area. And I do remember that. I'll pull that up and make sure I put that in the in the show notes. I can't believe I didn't ask you that to yes, the beginning. That's like the first time ever. <laughs> It's very good. It's very good. So the next question that I usually um, ask relates back to that very first opening question. And when we think about a good wine, right, a successful wine, that's what I say. When you open that bottle and that wine is good, it's, it has been, it has successfully fermented. It has success, successfully developed. So I like to know what your idea or your definition of a good wine or a success is. Well, I think it has to do with contentment. I, I think that if you feel content and happy in what you're doing, that success will follow. Oh, that's great. So finding contentment is your definition of success. Yes, because, you know, there, of course there were positions that I was in that I didn't like and I wasn't happy. But if you feel happy doing something, it's not going to feel mm -hmm. like a job Absolutely. to you. Absolutely. 100% agree with that. <laughs> and I joke all the time that I, I love what I do and... I'm so lucky to get to do it, right? I mean, I get to get out of bed in yes, the morning yes. and go to work. And to me, that's just mm. such a blessing. I just absolutely, I couldn't agree with what you said more. So um, I also love to know everybody's so different in this aspect. So, you know, what what feeds your soul? So, you know, when we think about the the wine and the grapes that come out of a vineyard, and makes a good wine, there's something that feeds the soul of that root and that uh, vine and that grape. What feeds your soul? The customer satisfaction when they see my finished product of their resume. 
That's so you're you're heading in the right direction for what you need to do long term. If that's what charges you up and feeds your soul, then you're doing a piece yes. of that every day or every yes. opportunity that you get. Congratulations. Yes. And then mm-hmm. finally, is there any piece of advice that you would love to make sure that the listeners um, really walk away from this podcast with? I would say to look into your heart and just think of the things that you used to like to do when you were younger and take those things and write them down and see how you could possibly incorporate them into your adult life. Um, I did that little task and... I, uh, one of my things that I liked to do was play in the snow. And here as an adult, I'm like, what am I going to do as an adult that has to do with snow? (laughs) So I knew that that wasn't it. But also as a child, I used to play school with the neighborhood kids. And I was the teacher. (laughs) Some connection there. So... So with that, I, um, you know, it was just something that I, I liked to do. Um, I love that. I, um, I thought it was, you were talking, I'm like, yeah, I don't like snow. So <laughs> God, God bless you. I, I, I didn't, I didn't need to see it before we came South for the winter, but I did as we what got 14 or 15 inches or something like that, right before we came South for the winter. Um, and, and we'll be back in April, which means we'll probably see more of it is my guess. But so, but, but I think the numbers part and the teaching part is something you and I have in common. My, uh, my brother can attest to the fact that the poor kid at two, three and four years old was forced to, uh, to play school with me. And I was the teacher. <laughs> I was the math teacher. That was all I would do was math. I couldn't, yeah, I didn't want to do anything else, but I was teaching that kid math when he went to school. Um, the kid knew more. <laughs> Mine was English. <laughs> English was not spelling was never something I was going to teach. So, <laughs> but math on that, like I said, that poor kid, um, even to this day, I think has nightmares about being, forced to sit at a desk uh, so that I could play school with him. So, um, but it was, it's fun. And, and I think that's why, you know, um, for me, I, I do get to teach people every single day, just like you do. And um, we're so fortunate to have those kinds of jobs, aren't we? <laughs> yes. Yes. And I get a, a satisfaction well, of it. I am so Definitely. thankful um, that you were were willing and able to uh, to to take time out of your busy day with three jobs going on. <laughs> um, right, right. Two, two jobs, jobs and a side, side hustle. hustle. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to name that the show that the side two jobs and a side hustle. It's going to be great. That's a great name. Thank yes. you so much for taking yes. time, Michelle, to be on the show and and to share your knowledge and experience and talent and suggestions for people. And again, we'll we'll make sure people um, know how to reach you. Uh, by putting your information in the show notes as well. So thank you so much again. Oh, and thank you, Amy. I appreciate it. And it's been a pleasure. And that will about do it for this week's episode of Wine and Dime. You can visit Amy on the web at irvineadvise.com or you can follow her on Twitter at Amy Irvine Advise or on her Facebook page, Irvine Wealth Planning Strategies. 
If you have any questions, comments, or topics that you would like to hear about, feel free to contact us through Twitter or Facebook, and we will do our best to answer your questions. We would love to hear from you. And thank you for listening.